It seems these days that we can control the volume with just about anything. But what if you could with the weather? Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. Well, and as you probably figured out this week, we're going to be talking about oh, volume control weather. But before we get there, as always, I hope you're having a good weather insert period since we last talked here, because I know it's different for everybody, but generally speaking, it's a week for most of us. I know I, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff going on. It's that time of year. It's hurricane seasons, kind of getting ready to kick off in the North Atlantic. And it's a little early yet, not to say you can't have early storms. We actually had a storm that had uh, subtropical characteristics. Not going to get into all that, but it was one of those storms that kind of went out to you know, flowing from west to east and then kind of did a U-turn and came back in the southern U.S. And today I've been dealing with the rain from it. So it's all good. It's a good thing. You know, I'll use a little more rain from time to time. But generally speaking, it's just, you know, it, it kind of is a reminder that the season's here, even if it really wasn't much of an event in the end. And who knows? We may start active. We certainly have for a couple years now. We may get to the core season before we see anything early season stuff's always a bit tricky because there's these zones where things can form and this is true in most basins where you have kind of a main season but the fringe seasons quite often have a different structure a different kind of um, maybe area of interest or if you will a method for how the the cyclones form you know kind of differently than they do during the core season but doesn't mean they can't be uh, impactful by any means. Doesn't mean that you can't pay attention to it, of course, which is tricky. And, and again, that's kind of why, you know, my head just kind of switches gears this time of year and I get into that mode. So certainly that's been on my mind. And actually, there was even one, I think, in the Indian Ocean. I, I hope I still have the story somewhere, but it was one that came, you know, from my news feed from the American Meteorological Society that showed twin cyclones, one in the northern and southern hemisphere at the same time. And you don't see that very often that kind of mimic each other. Part of that is we don't see a lot of activity below the equator in general anyways when it comes to tropical cyclones. So there's not as big of an area where you're likely to have that happen. But the Indian Ocean is is a specific area where you can see that. As I mentioned, got a not tropical cyclone giving me some rain, not rain. And it, it by no means has been nonstop. But, you know, I take it. I enjoy it. I, I much prefer all those sensations of weather than just, looking at the same old stuff all the time. Even, you know, I, again, I, I like a nice blue sky day just like everybody else, but I like it to be followed up by something that's a little different. I had some wind beginning of the week. Yeah, it's not, it, It's also good to be back in that season where you can look outside and the trees have leaves on it, so you have that visual reminder that it's wind even if you're not feeling it directly. So, it's, again, good, good all the way around. Not too much pollen that I'm having to deal with right now. Truly feel like I'm over whatever that cold thing was. Uh, again, not COVID, but um, kind of cleared up, not coughing as much, except when I'm really trying, I'm trying to get back in my exercise routine. And when I push it, you know, I still get a little bit, but I think that's everything just clearing out. All right. So let's stop talking about that. Let's stop talking about my weather. Let's talk a little bit. Well, you know, my weather is going to get into it, but you know, 
when you look around where you are right now, right, you probably have multiple devices that can create sound. You're listening to this. It might be on a computer, might be on a mobile device. I used to be able to say it could be on an iPod, although those are now officially going away. It could be on a variety of devices, right? It could be on your your Amazon Echo. It, it, it doesn't matter. There's all sorts of devices that can play just sounds for us, right? Some of those also have video, of course. Which also means we have tons of ways to control it. I still remember back in the day, if you wanted to change the volume on the TV, yes, I'm dating myself here, you had to go up to the device, right, and actually turn the volume up and down. Then, of course, we got remote controls for the TV. And and actually, in the beginning, you didn't have them that much for the stereos. Those kind of came along later, and they kind of came along in the boombox phase, right, because traditional stereo equipment just didn't have remote controls for a long time. So you got all that stuff going on, but, you know, so you can have a, a device, you can control it directly on the phone, as an example. It, you could talk to the device now, right? And so we've got all these ways to control the volume that kind of impacts us in our limited space, right? But, you know, that's not the only thing we look at. Yes, I know, I know. Sometimes it's just the mute button we want to find. And sometimes we can't get the devices to quit talking. You know, you got an app talking over another app or devices talking over other devices or the operating system has one setting for this or the phone has a different setting for that and they're not working right. And it can drive you a bit crazy. But but again, end of day, we usually figure it out. Even if we're a little late on the mute button, we usually figure it out. Yes, all of us have probably interrupted a conference call or something else without having the mute on, or we've had it on when we should have had it off. We were sitting there talking. All small technical challenges. All sooner or later, we figure it out, usually. But again, limited space. How about if we expand that space? How about if we think about the world around us, right? Can we? Can weather play a role? Now, I want to draw us back for a moment to something I brought up a couple weeks ago about an event happened here. And I, I don't remember which episode it was, but two or three episodes ago, I mentioned that I had this alarm clock thunderstorm event take place, right? It was just very intense and it woke me out of a deep sleep. Now, your first instinct is to go, okay. Well, that's great. You had this event going on. It probably just means that there was a lot of lightning, you know, right where you are. And ordinarily, I'd agree with that. But, you know, I do the same thing. And I mentioned this before is that one flash may have been pretty close. And and again, I am as the crow flies less than two miles and probably even I, I don't know, I'd have to think about the distance across the Hudson River where I am, but it definitely less than two miles between me and one World Trade Center. Okay, And yes, lightning did literally strike the building that day. So some of the flashes were close, and that was probably the one that was the loudest. But even ones, you know, when I was counting for distance, they seemed louder than normal, right? For the, for the distance it was traveling, it seemed particularly intense, much more so than quite often I hear with thunderstorms in this area. 
and lightning strikes that have been similarly as close. Because I've watched them hit on my side of the Hudson about the same amount of distance, and they just haven't had that intensity. So what gives? What was going on? Or was there something going on, right? Now, you can imagine in a big city there are a variety of things. And it's not even a city setting. It can be a nature setting. You go out and you shout at some place and you get echoes. So you, you can imagine that we've got a similar setup in cities when you get, and I remember being at a conference in Montreal years ago in a very intense thunderstorm and almost to the point where I thought it was on like fireworks going off, but the sound waves were bouncing off all the buildings and it was just incredible. So that can happen too, right? But that doesn't, I'm not in a really a dense tall building setting right where I'm at. So it doesn't necessarily hold water. And so again, I got back to, was there something going on that was triggering that? Now, in my case, there was something specific and I'll put a link in the show notes. There a lot of meteorologists in the area talked about it. I picked one to put in there, but you can Google New York city, very loud thunderstorm. And you know, you can probably get them both recently and in the past. And specifically, it had to do with a temp, a low-level temperature inversion, okay? And I'm not going to get right there yet, but just keep that in mind. So I had this low-level temp- temperature inversion, and that contributed to how loud this event was for not just me and not just the people who wrote about it, but generally the area that heard these flashes. So it wasn't just that lightning strike, but other ones in the area. This low-level temperature inversion was at play. Now... There's a reason for that, but there's much more to the sound weather relationship, if you will. And in particular, it's important to remember some very fundamental things about sound waves, right? Sound waves behave differently based on frequency. So, you know, if it's a high pitch or a low pitch like my voice, so my low pitch voice might travel much further than when I go into high pitch mode, okay? And you've probably experienced that before, and it's probably a good thing for people who don't like to high-pitch things, that sometimes those sounds just don't carry as far. Now, you can overcome that with making it really loud. But under ideal circumstances, take those two things, that low-pitch voice is probably going to carry further. But temperature impacts the rate at which sound travels to us. Now, you heard me, again, in that episode a few ago, mention about watching tennis courts growing up. And I never really thought about it at the time. And I don't know that I would have noticed the difference. But in theory, if I watched people play when it was warmer outside versus when it was cool, maybe in the middle of summer versus spring or fall, there would have been a difference at the rate at which that same sound would have traveled to my ears. And it can be meaningful. Now, it may not have been in that little distance. But over time, and depending on the distance we're talking about, It can have a real play, right? So it's important to kind of keep that temperature aspect of mind. Colder, warmer, warmer temps lead to faster sound travel, okay? Wind. Wind can actually bend sound waves. I know, sounds kind of wild. I had never really thought about this one, 
So I thought it was kind of cool when I came across it. And I am going to put a link in the show notes. I found a couple of papers, but there was one in particular that kind of summarized all these things pretty well. I happened upon it kind of late in my research, but it's a very good summary paper. So if you're interested in the topic, it was actually written... I think it was somebody that wrote it for a school paper, but they reprinted it. They were working for an acoustics company in New Zealand, of all places, and they reused the material as like a a marketing guide, if you will, or or call it a thought paper or or a white paper kind of thing. It's a little more than just marketing. It was an interesting piece where they kind of had a series of them where they looked at different things that impact acoustics, but they specifically talked about weather. And this is, you know, real for, you know, you have outdoor events or different things. It can come into play. And so if you have to deal with those, you might think differently about, let's say you you do an outdoor concert tour. You might change how you set up the sound equipment or the structure you know, profile that you're going to use for different times of the year or different temperature settings and or if it's going to be windy. Now, when it comes to, I will say, when it comes to humidity, generally speaking, and when it comes to pressure, those two items don't tend to have as much of an impact, okay, when it when it comes to weather. But precip kind of has this mixed bag thing. And that was kind of interesting because one of the things I was thinking about was fog, right? And there's even stories, if you go back, when, when fog horns were first created, they, they had, and some of them probably still do, they have a low pitch and a high pitch. Now, the low pitch you could hear from much greater distances. And the idea of doing them both, however, though, was when you could all of a sudden start hearing the high pitch as well, you knew you were significantly closer than when you had you could hear just the low pitch sound. So sound certainly can travel. It's not like it can't travel through fog, but different precip things, both in how dense the precip is. So, you know, rain's going to be different than it's going to be fog, but even a dense fog versus kind of a more of a misty, if you will, can have different ramifications on how those sound waves carry through that precipitation. And so I did find an interesting article as well. It's in the show notes about does fog dampen sound? And they went through four sources that they found. It was a great blog post about how the four sources all said different things that seemed to contradict one another. But they were looking at different situations. And it was relevant to my weather event, which we'll get back to, But the idea was fundamentally that high-frequency sounds, and this gets into the foghorn thing, tend to get bounced around a little easier than those low-frequency sounds, and it just has to do with the structure of the sound waves. But it's also going to depend on how the precip, how dense those water molecules are and what size they are. It's kind of like light when we talked about the different scattering. Sounds the same sort of thing. And this is true even with precip on the ground. And you've heard me mention before about how snow dampens sound because it it has this wonderful characteristic that it has these little air spaces. So, you know, what will happen is a sound wave, once it gets bent into that space or if it gets redirected in that space, it may bounce around in that space and not get out. Okay. And so it creates this dampening effect. And that's actually relevant, the idea of this dampening or different spaces for my event as well, 
But that gets into this idea of barriers. So I'm going to bring kind of a the non-weather component into the mix in that when sound finds a very different profile, and this can be in the atmosphere, it can be in water, it can be in solid materials, it tends to want to stay in what it's in, right? Or in a similar profile. And this is why if someone screams underwater, you might hear it very loudly if you're actually underwater, even though we're not really attuned to that. But outside the water, you may barely hear it because those sound waves, most of them stay within the water itself. And maybe you've even heard this, and this brings in the temperature. Maybe if you've ever watched Hunt for Red October or any other war submarine movie, and you've heard about thermoclines in the ocean. And these are this is a sudden change in the temperature profile. And basically what it means is the listening devices, in particular sonar, for listening to, you know, trying to track a submarine. The acoustic behavior of what's going to kind of bounce to and from that ship that's that's listening or what is being emitted from the submarine is going to find that barrier and it's going to want to stay within its little zone. So things tend to bounce in a shallower range in the ocean and then in the little deeper part they tend to stay in that range. And this is true of aquatic animals as well. I mean, it's, you know, in, in communication, um, you know, whether it's whales or dolphins or any of those sort of creatures that we know send audible signals, they're smart enough to realize how those different things come into play as well, right? So you have the idea of temperature comes into play, but you also have these transitions, if you will, of different mediums for carrying those waves. And that's why sounds might stay in water, for example, or in the air. It might bounce off the surface of the water for the same very reason or not penetrate solid materials. A lot of times that's why you know solid materials can be a good first order of blocking sound from you know one house to the next or one room to the next, but it's not doesn't completely wrap it up because depending on the type of surface, the sound may, some of it may bounce off, but some of it's still going to penetrate and, and certain surfaces are better at letting it penetrate through. And, you know, the direction that the sound waves come at it is going to come into play, whether it's going to be a bounce or whether it's going to penetrate, may get directed differently. And weather can do the exact same thing. So if we come back to the New York City example that day, I mentioned the temperature inversion, and I'm not going to get in the whole idea of what they are, but just know quite often that particularly overnight and when you know the day first starts in between that transition, it's not uncommon to have a temperature inversion where you have, instead of it getting colder with height, it starts off getting colder, but then all of a sudden it gets warmer and it can kind of create kind of like in the ocean, that thermocline behavior where you kind of get this trapped scenario. And I just realized that I'm, you know, I'm using the same words again and again in some cases, um, kind of like, kind of like. Now I'm going to drive myself crazy with that. But ultimately what you're dealing with, and you see this, it can be visually represented when you see smog in certain locations because it can be seasonally based, all right? It can be a frontal boundary passing through in a certain way. And this gets into the whole idea of snow versus sleet versus freezing rain that can happen when you get this sort of inversion layer. 
that sets up. But that's specifically what that happened that day. She had very cold air on the surface, some slightly warmer air aloft, and these sound waves that penetrated through because the lightning hit, you know, the surface, or at least, you know, low enough below this inversion, they want to bounce around off the surface of the planet, off the water that's around me, right, whether it's the Hudson River or the Atlantic Ocean, and off the top of that atmosphere and stay within this range. So this sound was just banging around in a very narrow range, and there was that gave it more time. It gave it more time to spread. It gave it more time to hit things in a way instead of just, you know, fading off into the atmosphere sort of thing. And that can happen with fog as well. So if fog is triggered by a temperature inversion, the the acoustic behavior, and this is why that person that found four different cases, if the fog is based on a temperature inversion or if it's smog type of thing, that sound would get trapped below. So it might actually be louder, whereas in certain circumstances, if the fog is just a regular kind of misty fog that doesn't have that set up, the sound may get bounced away from you, but it could also be where the source is and all those sort of things. But the reality is weather does amplify and impact sound. Are we going to use it to be able to turn off? No, I'm sorry. It, it, it's not going to do that. But like snow, it can at times have the ability to, to greatly dampen or, in this case, amplify the sound of the world that's going on around us. I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. Let me know. I'd be curious if you've ever thought about this or you've run into scenarios Give me some feedback. What is about the weather at gmail.com? You can find me, Mark underscore Jelinek, on Twitter, or what is it about the weather on Twitter, of course. And as always, if you want to support the podcast, you can learn more about that at patreon.com slash weather. But in the meantime, right, the next time you can't find the mute button, just remember there's much more to weather than the weather itself.